Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Rohan Andrew. Today, we're going to start on a little bit of a journey. Um, I'm not sure how many Sundays this is going to take, but we'll, it, it will be a bit of a series. And it's all about who God is and who we are in relation to him. So it's who God is and, who, and what's our identity in Christ, because that is everything that means everything. Who we actually perceive or believe God to be is actually how we will respond to him and how we will approach him. Um, and who, who God actually is and who he says he is in his word and how much of that we believe, we receive, we take on, that it becomes real to us, becomes revelation to us, is how we'll walk out our life as Christians. And to be... You know, we were, we've been talking about recently about faith, about prayer, about standing in the face of adversity, about dealing with our past, about the harvest, and we've been touching on lots of different topics, but quite strongly, strongly it's come across that, you know, how do we stand? How do we stand for our, our, on behalf of our family, our loved ones? Um, how do we stand in faith um, in our in what God wants to do with us in our workplace, in, in the harvest, how do we witness to people? How do we just stand up and see God use us? And actually, one of the first truths that we need to uh, understand and get and, and, and really take on board is actually who is God? Who is God? And how can we stand on his word? How can we stand on his promises? So we were talking about those, we were singing about those promises this morning that yes and amen. How can we stand on those promises? How do we know what rights we have? How do we know what God wants to, how he wants to use us? So we all, so this morning we're going to be talking about who he is and a, and a bit of understanding of his word and we're going to unpack that over the next number of weeks. So this is kind of a little bit of an introduction we're going to touch on a few subjects. So, our approach to God and our approach to life and how we live on a, a daily basis, as I said, is all based around our understanding of who God is. So, if the more we know him, the more we should live differently, we should be transformed how many believe that? The more that you know God, the closer you are to God, the more revelation of who he is should impact our lives and cause us to live differently and to be different people. As the word says, it trans we, we're transformed by the word, but we're transformed into the renewing of our mind by the word of God. So as we encounter more of God, we experience more of God, we understand more of God from his word, and we have the revelation of his word come to live in us, and to become real to us, we sh it should change us. It should do something in us that changes us. It should change the way we approach uh, looking after our children. It should, it should change the way we approach work, the way we approach life, the way we approach everything around us, that revelation of God. So it's massively important that we understand and we, we get revelation from his word. Um, in 2 Corinthians, if you can just put that slide up, Sean, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18, it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when it talks about the veil there, uh, just before that, uh, this chunk of verses, it talks about there being a veil over the, um, over the Jewish people's eyes, over the children of Israel, you know, the Jews back in those days. Over their eyes there was a veil and they didn't understand who Jesus was. But it says when the veil is taken away, the understanding of who he is comes. And, you know, that veil, you can kind of liken that veil to, to us having... Um, when, when we have revelation from the word, it's like a veil is lifted. Our understanding is opened up. God reveals something fresh, something new of himself to us. So it's like a veil is taken away. And as, as veils are taken away and as understanding comes and as we have that revelation of who God is, it, like I said, it should change us. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So as we, re- as we receive revelation from the word, the spirit brings that freedom. It brings that liberty. It brings that understanding. So the word and the spirit work together so that we come in, so that we, be- we become changed. We move from glory to glory. And as it says there, that we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So as veils are lifted, as revelation comes, as the spirit brings that life to the word, as we've been talking about before, about the rhema word, as that that life of God's word comes into us, that's where we become transformed more and more into his image. We become more and more like him. So, I felt God say to me, and this is where this kind of series has really come from, I felt God say to me during this week, that who you believe I am is who I will be to you. So who you believe I am is who I will be to you. Now, that's a bit of a, a funny statement, but actually, we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it doesn't really matter what we believe about God. He is the same. He'll always be the same. God is God. It doesn't matter what we understand about him, what we believe about him. He is God, and he will stay and remain the same forever. But actually what we believe about him will actually, it, it can kind of be a filter as to how we receive from God and how we approach God and how we connect with God. So our belief about God and our understanding about God is massively important. It's all important. So God could be all powerful, all amazing, all loving, all wonderful. But actually, if we don't believe that, we won't receive that from him. Yeah. We need that faith that comes from his word, that, is, that rhema faith that comes from his word for us to be able to connect and to be able to receive uh, the fullness of who God is. And we're on a journey with that. Each and every one of us is on a journey with that. You know, none of us, I don't think, can, can sit here and say we know God fully and completely and have all revelation and all knowledge and all understanding. But the more and more of the revelation that we have of who he is, the more he reveals of himself to us and we receive that, the more we can be transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. So it's an interesting statement. Who, who we believe he is will be who he is to us. So we need to know, we need to be soaked in the word. We need to meditate on the word. We need to be in the word daily, 
Even if it's a little bit a day, we need to have that word working on the inside of us so that we know who we are, so that we know who he is. Our identity is, is massively, massively important. Who we know that, who, that we are, when what the word says that we are, is massively important. If we're ever going to be able to stand firm and stand solid and stand against the adversity of life, the circumstances of life, the things that go on in life, we need to know who we are and we need to know who our God is. Amen? So I'm just going to, and probably for the rest of this message, I'm just going to hit on a few things that um, I believe God's brought to my attention that are things that we sometimes, they're misunderstandings or the things that we don't necessarily uh, rightly believe about God. And the first one is, some people have a wrong understanding of who God is and they believe that when they confess their sin to God, that they're not actually forgiven. So I'm just going to touch on a number of these, these subjects, and we're going to actually bring some, some of the truth into these subjects. So some people believe that, actually, I've done something wrong, I've messed up, I've made a mistake, and when I come before God and I actually confess that sin to God, or confess that mistake, or confess whatever I've done wrong to God, I'm not actually forgiven. And I believe that many people struggle with that, and I, I believe I struggled with that for a number of years when I was a, a, a young Christian. But actually, this is where the word comes in and the truth comes in and the truth has to overtake what we, our thinking is and what we believe or what we feel. The word is more powerful than that. So if we just stick that, the next slide up, it should be 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Another translation say that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So now this is the word, and what I just said is what we sometimes think. And I know this will apply to a number of people. They think, I've just done something so horrifically wrong and so majorly wrong, I can't be forgiven of that. And even they may confess that to God, and they still feel guilty, they still feel shame, they still feel under the power of, of, of that mistake. But this is where the word has to be has to, we have to put our faith in what the word of God says. So we, we should know if we confess our sin to God. So when we confess, when we tell him, when we say to him, Lord, we're, we're sorry, we know we've got it wrong, Father, forgive me, straight away this scripture has to come into play to say he is faithful and just. That's the truth. He is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the truth. That's the, that's the bottom line. That's the truth of the situation. So some people can go for many, 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 many years feeling guilty of something they did many years ago and they confess it and they confess it and they confess it. The way around that and the way to use the word is you've got to meditate on the word. You've got to let that scripture just drop into you. It has The penny has to drop. Revelation has to come, and then you will, it will break that lie, that deception that's been going on inside of you. When we confess our sins to God, he will forgive us, and, we, and he purifies us, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we sin every day, we make mistakes every day, and we have to come to God daily 
and just confess the things that, that we know we've done wrong. And sometimes I would confess things. I say, God, I'm sure there's been things I've done wrong today, things, wrong thoughts I've had, uh, wrong motivations I've had. Lord, forgive me. And I may not even you know, list them specifically, but actually what God's looking for is that, that kind of humble heart, that repentant heart that, that he knows that you want to be right with him. He knows your heart and you, you're keep trying to keep short accounts with him. And he knows, when, he knows and, and he'll bring up to us, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us anything that's going on in our lives that shouldn't have been going on, things that we said, thought, done. And we just bring them before the Lord. And the second we bring them before God, that's it. They're done with, they're dealt with, and it's, it's done and it's dusted. If we just put up the next slide... It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We could just have the next bit. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. So there's a lot there and there's many, many scriptures that talk about Jesus taking our sin onto himself, cleansing us from our sins, becoming sin um, for us. So that, as this scripture said, he became sin for us, him taking our sin to the cross. So God is in the business of dealing with sin. That's what God has done for us. That's, that's what his biggest, that's what he came to do. That's what his sacrifice was all about. That's what the cross is all about. He cancels out the power of sin in our lives when we confess it to God. So we should have no kind of struggle in believing that we're not forgiven because actually that was the whole, the whole uh, mission of Jesus Christ coming to the earth. The whole thing, the, the whole story, the mystery, the cross, the resurrection, everything that God did was all about defeating sin in our lives. And we've got to put our faith in that. And this is a good scripture to kind of meditate on. Sean, if you go back one to the first part of that. So God, he, he wasn't counting people's sin against them. So as he, was recon- as he reconciles people to himself, as people come to the Lord, the old has gone, the new has come, and your sin is wiped away. When you confess that, when you ask him to forgive you, your sin is cleaned, and he doesn't count that sin against you anymore. Amen? He makes us pure, he makes us holy in his sight, and he makes us righteous. If you go to the next one, that last bit is, is massively important that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we are, if you've confessed your sin to God, you're a born-again believer here this morning, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're righteous. You're right standing before God today because of what Jesus did for you. You can stand before the Father righteous, holy, in Christ Jesus. Amen? So we're just going to hit some of these truths this morning. And if we just go to the next slide, in Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, 
yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen? And that's another lie, I believe, that, that people have been believing, is that actually God wants to punish us for our sins. So when we do things wrong, actually we're under some sort of judgment, we're under some sort of punishment for what we've done. And I know that people can battle with that, okay? I've made a mistake in my past, and I believe that God is still punishing me for that. I'm still, I'm still being you know, told off by God for that. That's not the truth. The, he took our punishment on himself and took it to the cross and dealt with it once and for all that we could be free of, of any sort of punishment or any sort of judgment. That's what he came to do. He bore our suffering, he, bore, he took our pain and he took our punishment. That's, that's, the whole, uh, that's the whole mission of Jesus Christ. When he came, he took all of that on himself. He went to the cross and he dealt with it and he broke it and he cancelled it out for us. All we got to do is come to him and we obviously, yet yeah, we confess our sin before him and those things are dealt with once and for all. He's not continuing to punish you. He's not continuing to, to judge you and to, to be harsh towards you. Amen? Now, as we talk about kind of wrong believing, one thing that... Um, I was speaking to someone recently, and they said to me, you know, every time I open up the Bible recently, I feel like God's angry with me. I feel that God's telling me off. Whenever I read the Word, I feel like I'm being told off. No matter where I flick to in the Word, it feels like I'm, I, I'm coming up against an angry God, and he's, and he's angry with me. He's not happy with me. And that is wrong believing. That's wrong understanding of who God is. And actually, right understanding... And right believing is everything. Now, God, for this person in particular, God may have been touching on something in their lives. So there might have been something that, as they were reading his word, God was putting his finger on things that are going on in their life. So they might have felt that conviction of the spirit. But actually, it doesn't mean that God is angry at them. God just wants to correct them. And um, if you just put this next slide up, this is a scripture that I was meditating on a few months ago, and it's powerful. And actually, it's quoted in Hebrews as well. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So sometimes God will check us, God will convict us of stuff that we're not doing quite right. But actually, it doesn't mean that God is angry at us and it doesn't mean that God hates us and God is just wanting to tell us off and punish us and, and just always beat us over the head with a stick. Actually, it's out of his love for us that he disciplines us. It's out of his love for us that he actually corrects us because he wants to steer us in the right way. And I love what it says there. that he, because It says, the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he, he delights in. So he loves us and he delights in us. Isn't that powerful? He delights in us, like a child, like a son or a daughter, that we, de we delight in our children. He delights in us, and he loves us so deeply that he actually then disciplines us. We discipline our children 
But it's not because we hate our children. We discipline our children because we want them to be steered in the right direction so that it's not going to hurt them. It's not gonna, and God does the same for us. He doesn't want things to hurt us. And he can see the future. And he can see what's going to take place in our lives if we keep going down that path. So he just gently corrects us and says, don't do that. That's not, that's not going to be the best thing for your life. Do this. And he, that's out of his love for us. So this person who kind of believed that God was always telling them off, he didn't have that revelation that God actually loves him and loves, he loves them. And out of that, he might have been putting his finger on some stuff. And actually, he would have read the word and, and understood it and, and been like, okay, okay, I see that God is trying to correct me here. But it's out of that overwhelming love that he has for us. If you put the next slide up. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Next one. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God loves us deeply. He loves us deeply. And he wants the best for us. And nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we've done, no spiritual powers, nothing, no height, no depth, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves us massively. Do you know, I was teaching the students um, this week about the, about the church and the, the origins of the church, where the church has come from, and about us being the church and being the body of Christ. And I was saying to them, and I was kind of majoring on this with them, that actually as, as Christians, as, as people in the body of Christ, it's the love of God that comes out of us. It's how we love each other and how we love God and, and how that love comes through us is what actually builds up the body of Christ. How we love each other, it's love that builds us up. It's love that brings unity. It's love that, that, hel- that helps us to encourage each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to spare each other on. We want to help each other. We want to be there for each other. We want to do as much as we can for each other because of the love that God has put in, inside of us. If we go to the next slide. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is a God of love. And we need to, that penny needs to drop. Oh man, that, that revelation needs to come that he actually is a God of love and he loves us and it's his love that's in us and works through us that reaches out to other people. And that's powerful. And there's loads of other scriptures that talk about God's love. And we're just, we're just looking at these today. Let us love one another from the love that comes from God. So that we all have the spirit of God inside of us and we're connected to God if we're born again here today. And let's let what God does inside of us come out of us and reach out to other people and love other people. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love 
does not know God. And when, I, when, when that says it does not, do, we do not know God or does not know God, I believe that means that we, don't, we haven't had that revelation of God's love. We, we don't know God fully to, to release his love. Do you know what I mean? We haven't had that revelation of his love in us so that we can love other people. Whoever does not love does not know God because God, because God is love. So if we know God, we should be full of love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So John 3.16 also says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that again talks about the mission of God and and how he he came to atone for our sins. He came to break that power of sin off of our lives and be a sacrifice for our sins. And he did that all out of his love for us. So again, by meditating on these scriptures, and do you know what? In our day and age, Google is a powerful tool. You can go to Google and you can type in scriptures about God's love, scriptures about me being forgiven, scriptures about whatever it may be. Um, and you type it in, scriptures just come up, stuff comes up. We've, we, we live in an age where we have so much information so readily available that back in the day they didn't have all of these tools. And we can, we can immediately jump into the word of God and then start to believe that word, confess that word, start to meditate on that word and build ourselves up. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.